brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One, the Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One, with your host, Chris Welsh. This is the Prospect Podcast, Prospect One. I'm your host, Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. Come and check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash ITLarmy, or you can just go to inthisleague.com and it'll flip you right over there. Why would you want to go check it out? Well, we have got the Prospect Group Me room. We've got collector's rooms in there. But more importantly, I've got my top 500 list. Top 500 with a ton of stuff. First-year player ranks. We've got amateur for the upcoming draft. They're sorted out by positions. I got my Prospect ADP on there, and I've even been adding some brand-new stuff like the Prospect Tool Belt and the wire rating, I call it, the Welsh investment rating. How much am I invested, regardless of where they're ranked, and I kind of make that rating based on where they are, how much I want to invest in them. So a lot of cool tools and a lot of stuff for you to get ahead in your dynasties and learn about the prospects uh, that I talk about on here. Today on the episode, a couple things for you. We are going to be uh, doing a little bit of a mailbag. I'm going to be answering some of your questions. Uh, a few that I missed a week or two ago over on uh, Prospect One, I'm going to be answering a few of those, plus we added a few more. And then I've got a very interesting conversation for anybody that in any capacity is interested in the kind of like autograph, memorabilia range. We did a segment on cards a couple weeks ago with Matt from Firebox Cases. Well, today, Dennis Sidler from Sid's Graphs is going to join me. And there's a couple of things that's actually really interesting about it, even if you're not like a big autograph or, you know, memorabilia type of a person, is that Dennis sets up deals with these prospects. So this isn't just like acquiring a, a couple stuff and just like reselling it. He actually, in some cases, is the first person that gives some of these prospects money outside of their initial contracts. That's right. So he actually will go and sign these guys to exclusive deals and he'll do big autograph signings with them. And we're going to talk about dealing with agents. We're going to be talking about dealing with the prospects. There's some prospect stories he's got in here, like who are the best to deal with, some that were really great. Um, there's some negatives to it. So there's some competition in the market. Uh, I just thought it was a really interesting conversation more so than not just like, it's not just about talking about like, hey, what is the you know stuff that you sell in autographs? It was like, no, you deal with agents and you cut deals and you, like I said, you might be the first person to give these guys money outside of the books. And Dennis has even got some stuff where like players have hugged him, you know, when he's paid them and stuff like that. And then they can move on to maybe bigger deals with places like Fanatics and stuff like that. But I find it uh, ultimately fascinating. So whether you are interested in that stuff, you want to learn more about it, or you just kind of like the inside baseball of knowing like this is other stuff that these guys do. You know, while they're, especially in this realm, you know, what's significantly interesting about him is this, he usually gets these guys in the first run. You know, like I said before, uh, some agents won't even actually um, entertain these type of deals uh, before they become major leaguers. And a lot of these guys are not even really available to get major autograph signing deals. Well, this is where, you know, Sid's Graphs comes in or some, there are some other companies, of course, out there 
that these guys, you know, while they're in a quarantine, that's another interesting way. Will there be in-person autographs anymore? All of this stuff we're going to kind of talk about. A little bit longer conversation than I even thought, but I think you guys will like it. Plus, we are going to be having some giveaways. So you want to listen to the interview because uh, Dennis is kind enough that he wants to do some giveaways here for Prospect One and we're going to go through all of that. So I hope you guys are well in everything that's going on. I know there's still no really lockdown anything with baseball right now. The latest we got, you know, after our conversation we had with James last week talking about you know, baseball might, minor leagues could theoretically not happen whatsoever. Um, you know, baseball is still kind of reeling and looking for some type of a, a deal or a plan. And I, I just don't like where it's going right now. I, I wish they would just lock into one and try to make that one work. And maybe they are, but... They continuously just keep divulging, oh, now there's one with Texas, and it could be Arizona, Florida, and Texas, and they keep throwing out all this stuff, and it's really just really muddying the waters, and frankly, it's also been kind of quiet. It's been a little bit quiet on the baseball front, which makes me a little bit uneasy, but you know, the NFL draft has really kind of taken hold for a lot of people, and I still think uh, later next week, some point next week, we're going to get some information, maybe some more like like full-on information. There are some states that are starting to kind of open up, whether they should or not, and uh, May 1st, it's, it's, it's kind of a pivotal point of seeing where the nation is at so baseball can maybe start having some realistic plans, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't, you know, when I say plans, it doesn't mean those plans have to be like opening back baseball for anybody out there that gets all up in arms about, you know, positive thought, like, oh, my God, you know, the, the escapism, as I've heard before. Um, that's fine. You know, it doesn't, the, those thoughts don't have to be that. There could be something ultimately that comes down negative, but... You know, it still looks like we're on the precipice of baseball potentially happening. At least that's the hope. And minor leagues are still majorly, majorly in question. You know, in baseball and MILB got into, it's not necessarily a tussle, but uh, there has been an agreement, which is kind of brutal. It's a little bit brutal about this. And I'm realizing I didn't really have, I don't think I had this conversation on this show yet, is that um, the, well, at least what was reported is that minor league baseball is going to agree to that 40-team cut. So you're going to go from like 160 down to 120 uh, minor league affiliates, which is, it's a big deal, man. It's going to probably completely destroy a level, probably that low A level-ish. Um, you know, can't say that for sure. Some some teams had like multiple rookie levels, but I mean, that's 40, 40 teams are gone from minor league baseball. And that, it could change the developmental process. Um, it gives people less of an opportunity you could have more aggression or you could see you could really see more players sticking around you know how like you see these dudes that'll travel three levels you could maybe see a little bit less of that now because there's one less step for guys to go but it also has the opportunity maybe to um you know the the cream might rise to the top a little bit more if you know what i'm saying like you know you might have better players out there the process might be a little bit easier if the competition is at a little bit of a higher level to really determine you know those breakout breakouts and stuff like that but it's still too early you know there there's so much of this the amount of, i still hear of people being like hey is this guy going to play this year i don't know man i don't know if there's going to be a minor leagues and how is this going to affect we don't know uh, specifically also because as soon as this report came out MILB then dropped a statement saying, like, that's nah, not accurate. So they're still fighting it. But unfortunately, you know, for the minor leagues is uh, this this virus has really, really destroyed a lot of um, potential bargaining power just because, like, baseball could also not push efforts to play this year. And that, I mean, that would be, I think, a really bad negative for them if they didn't do that. But they got a lot of chips, unfortunately, baseball has in their hands. And it just seems like an inevitability that those are going to go away and, you know, whatever other type of, um, 
you know, whatever type of haircut else baseball is going to take. You know, they might accept this five or ten round draft this year as the new norm, especially if you've cut off 40 teams. That's less money that teams have to spend overall, but there's also kind of a less deep dive in scouting. So we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We still don't even know when the draft's going to be. You know, theoretically, the draft is supposed to be like the first week in June. And we haven't got confirmation if that's been moved off or, or anything like that, but it should be coming in the near future. And that's also, by the way, why I'll be talking about uh, the NFL draft pretty extensively starting next week. Uh, I'm also going to be taking part in um, Prospects Live. They announced they're doing a – it's a really interesting concept. They're going to do a live mock draft, but they're going to do it like a draft. So – they're going to have 30 people representing the 30 teams. They're going to do it in real time, and then some of those guys are going to be breaking it down, and I'm taking part in it. I'm going to be um, drafting for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that's an, that'll be something to kind of keep you guys going and maybe get some names in your head, but I think it's appropriate to really focus on the um, – I think I said the NFL draft. I meant the MLB draft, uh, obviously, because the NFL draft is going on right now. Uh, the MLB draft, that's like where I want to put my focus here, while also continuously adding to the tool belt and the wire rating on my prospect list. And I'm going to talk about that in the coming episodes. So it's probably going to be a version of going through that in an interview about the draft, or it's going to be um, talking about the draft and then going through an interview. So it's going to be like one of the three things. We'll be talking about draft. I'll be talking with some of the industry people. And I'll be updating you on uh, some different additions I've done. Like I said, the tool belt is just adding the prominent tools to each prospect. What, and it doesn't have to just be hit or power. I'm going to add if there's bat speed involved, if they hit for contact, if they if their power is from their hit tool or if it's raw, you know, stuff like that, speed. So I'll probably be updating some of those and then my investment ratings and just talking to you continuously as I deep dive the stuff. So you guys will still get a fix as much as we can give you right now. Uh, the most prominent thing, obviously, is the MLB draft as we can go back, do a lot of studying, and we can talk to some really smart people. So I might get one of the guys from Prospects Live, hoping to get Jim Callis back on as they have updated their list to 150. And we will uh, we will talk about the MLB draft and whatever rumors are going out there, and that will be something that you guys can get excited about. You know, the NFL draft did a really good job about distracting everybody from sports being gone, if you really think about it. And the MLB draft has the potential to do that if they kept it. You know, I mean, theoretically, the MLB draft could go before the season starts, the theoretical season. Uh, if they move it, it would just be great to know. And, um, you know, maybe getting some more information eligibility-wise from some of these prospects, you know, because I've been speculating, could a guy like Spencer Spencer Torkelson go back? I don't know. You know, he's with Boris. Uh, that's where, you know, his uh, that's where he's signing. So is he going to want to? You know, does he need to? Uh, those are all things that we, uh, we kind of need to battle and, you know, with uh, a lower amount of rounds, there's less high school guys or more li- a higher likelihood of high school guys to potentially go back, and you might get more college players than ever. I think I saw Baseball America post something like, you know, this might be the first year in God knows how long, uh, maybe ever, that on their board they've had six college players in the first top half. I'm actually literally texting with James right now, James Anderson, and we're talking about uh, the college pitching right now. Like, literally at this moment he just texts me. And we're going through like the college pitching and stuff like that. So there's a lot to talk about. We will get you guys covered, and I will be continuously updating. Uh, and I'm actually going through my deep dive of draft right now on the prospect list. So uh, just a little, you know, a little update primer for you guys and everything that's going on. I am going to answer some of your questions, so let's go do that. And then Dennis Sidler is going to come on in a very, very interesting uh, world that he lives in, in uh, you know, cutting deals for these prospects, getting them money in exchange for the autographs, and 
Uh, it's a whole industry. It's a whole crazy industry. And uh, some of these guys obviously love it. Sometimes the agents don't. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's go see what's on your guys' mind. Prospect One Mailbag. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50 50. Prospect one. Is it the Welsh at gmail.com? That is an email. Uh, I'll obviously make posts over on Patreon, and that's a place that I'll take the questions first. And not very, a ton of crazy traction or really good stuff from Twitter, so I don't really post it up there. So, and if you want direct access to me, Patreon is kind of the place to do it. And uh, you guys really curate good questions. Now, I took a couple that I don't think I answered in last week's episode. Forgive me if I do. This one specifically, I remember reading this and laughing. I just don't remember if it made it on the show. But the mayor of St. Charles had asked, I speak for all of us when I say, can we please spend more time on Julio Rodriguez? Do you recall what you saw that first made you think he was going to be a special play? He says presence, sound of bat, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, I may this is a little insight also. I may have actually talked about this a little bit in the last episode, and then I may have cut it out of the episode just because it was getting long. Uh, but this is a little bit more appropriate here. Well, I will always gladly talk about Julio Rodriguez. You're actually going to hear some uh, about Julio Rodriguez because that, I believe, um, was one of Dennis's clients. Um, just I think a deal just ran out, like just ran out with Julio Rodriguez. So he's got a ton of Julio Rodriguez stuff, and um, he's got some interactions with him as well. And you know, th there's a there's a couple things because my first stuff with Julio Rodriguez wasn't in person. That's not where it started because you know he was over in the Dominican Summer League, and I didn't I wasn't able to catch him out here in camps because he was he didn't come stateside if I remember correctly until after the Dominican Summer League. So you know his deal was he was absolutely blowing up over there, and there was you know big power, big body guy. I mean six foot four, two hundred, you know seventeen year old that's in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, they were sharing some video, and you could see it's a real easy swing. So, you know, you take this young, big-bodied guy who doesn't have a lot of craziness with his swing, real beautiful, and then just starts launching balls in Dominican, Dominican Summer League. It's like, all right, well, we got to start paying attention here. Then he gets out here, and he, he uh, set up a residency out here in Peoria, which is just right near the stadium, and he was just staying in a hotel. This was during, like, an instruct period, I believe, of 2018, if I remember correctly right off the Dominican Summer League, and he was just here at camp working out, and um, he was posting a bunch of videos. And all of a sudden, it was like, this dude's this dude is growing. And this was coming off of the AFL where Evan White was out here, and he had posted some video, and I had talked just briefly, and Evan had mentioned him 
um, saw some video of, you know, this 17-year-old Julio Rodriguez, bigger than Evan White, working out at training camp. He lives out here now full on. English is starting to go. And then you started hearing the inner um, uh, the inner stuff from inside the organization starting to talk about, like, hey, listen, this guy might be special. Then you get out there. So you're asking me all this stuff. This, these were all the pieces that were starting to come together. Real easy swing, big power, uh, great work ethic, uh, has this, you know, the super, the superstar mentality of just a personality, which I know that's an intangible thing, but you kind of put those together and you're like, man, how's this going to work? Then you see him in person and you're just like, this is like an 18 year old dude now. And, um, the, the way I hate, I hate making weird comps like this, but like, to me, he's almost got like this bonds like type of mentality where it was just like, he just controls the presence. I'm not trying to say he is that cause he's not, but you know what I'm getting at? Like, he just like, he's going to get his pitch. He's going to hit it really hard. He will walk. He's a big physical presence. Like when he's up to bat, you feel like he's going to make something happen. A, a big standout for me was in 2000 and I think it was 2019 during spring training, the Padres and the Mariners do um, the prospects game. So it's during spring training. Uh, all the major leaguers, they get the day off, and it's just the prospects for the for these teams. And Julio and uh, Kellenic, this was this was kind of one of their first like spring training forays. You know, this is coming off of like he hadn't even played any professional ball, and he was in spring training. He was in this prospect game, Kellenic and Julio Rodriguez and the Padres. Yeah, I don't remember who they had. Like you know, Gabriel Arias was out there, and a few of those other guys, Josh Naylor maybe, and. You know, Julio came in. He absolutely, if I remember correctly, he was rocketed a double, um, right center, cruised into second, and then he made this throw from right field later. Uh, bounced off the wall. He catches it. Absolutely rockets the thing into second base. Just pure right fielder arm. Throws the guy out. So he had, you know, I think he had two hits in the game. Beautiful defensive play. And I caught him after the game. And that was, if you, were, if anyone recalls from my interview. I reference where we had chatted and I was like that arm man. And he just immediately goes, they don't know. He's like, they don't know. And I'm like, well, they know now. And he's like, they know now. And you know, good English. And we were talking about that. And it was such a dominant performance in this, like, you know, Padres are one of the best, you know, uh, developed prospect teams and nobody shined more, not even, you know, Kellenic, nobody shined more than Rodriguez. And that was a moment where you're just like, this guy is already steps ahead. This, he is steps ahead of everybody right now. Um, it's loud contact. There's big power, big defensive arm. He's trying to get better. He's running. You know, he did that in the AFL. It's all that stuff, man. So this is like some weird – I'm going off. You got me off on a tangent there, Charles. But, um, you know, that's, that's what it was. It, it's been every little piece. I try not to get like one moment solidifies it. Um and also he was a little bit different because this wasn't like me just going out and you know, like Luciano was one of those where there was like a little bit of video videos kind of old. There wasn't really too much. I think like it might've been Jason Panini might've had like one video where he was in workout scrubs. It was just like little to nothing out him. So for me, like, and, and even what was out available, the first looks on Luciano real, the first like real looks for everybody was when the AZL started up and he started playing. So that was a moment where I was like, Jesus, like this dude, listen to that bat. Body's mature. He's running around. And that was like in-person development thing that happened for me where Julio was very progressive, 
uh, or there was a progression to it because the Mariners kept sharing information. You kept piecemealing stuff where it wasn't like quite there, like with Luciano. Luciano was just in your face. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that was what you were looking for. Sometimes it is one moment. Uh, sometimes it's a collective. Um, sometimes those are, are a little bit closer. Sometimes you got a little bit of information. And like Rocchio was a perfect one. Like Ben Badler had talked about Brian Rocchio coming out and like, hey, be on the lookout for him. And the first at bat I saw of him over on the Mariners complex, he rocked a home run. It was his first professional home run. And it was uh, Lenny Torres's debut as well. And I was like, holy crap. Like he's kind of small, but the way he just put that in, and I was I was infatuated with him from that moment. So that happens sometimes, but Julio was just like, you know, all the pieces together. Uh, Matthew Miller says, rumors are that Luis Garcia from Washington is reworking his swing to add uh, some more leg drive a la Soto, he says. Uh, thoughts on his potential if he can add a little game power to his current hit tool. Uh, Nats seem to be crazy high on this kid still despite the label being thrown around him of uh, being a bit of a slap hitter. So he's definitely slap hitty. Um, he was out in the fall league this last year, and I got to be around him a lot, a lot of BPs. For whatever reason, I was just over at uh, Peoria. Uh, was it Peoria or Surprise? Now I'm forgetting. No, it was Surprise. And I happened to go over there multiple times for interviews, and I would just get there when his BP sessions would go through. And before the BP sessions, what you see is he is absolutely a slap hitter. He has no launch angle to his swing really whatsoever in-game. He's got kind of this like this step, this front step into into the uh, pitch, and he has such good control of the zone that he'll just put it wherever he wants, but it's on the ground. And I really thought that was interesting because his hit tool, his hit tool was like in the sixty range. Even though in two thousand nineteen he hit two fifty seven, he had under three hundred OBP, which wasn't great. He did uh, steal eleven bases and had four homers, twenty two doubles. All that's okay. But he didn't walk. So you have these negatives. You have this guy who doesn't walk. He doesn't strike out a ton, but he doesn't walk. He is a slap contact hitter. And he is also a little bit bigger. So, like, I don't think the stolen bases are going to really stick around with him. He's got this, like, weird physical attribute of just kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it, like bow-legged type of thing. Like, I just don't see him as a runner. I see him as, like, a five to eight stolen bases a year type of a shortstop. But he he's a guy that could hit 300. But the question is, is, like, if he has no launch angle, who is he? Is he, like, Eric Ibar or something like that? I mean, even worse, Ibar would steal more bases. But in BP sessions, I saw Luis Rodriguez murder balls into the outfield. He hit the pole over in surprise in one of his, and he just kind of laugh at it nonchalantly. But what was weird is he was almost trying to hit homers as like as the goof. Like, ah, this isn't what I normally do, so here, check this out. You know, just trying to work in some stuff out because that's not his game. So I'm saying all this to say if he really is reworking his swing, if the Nats are working with him to – reestablish whatever it is if they're trying to get, you know, his leg up more because his leg was kind of just more planted. It was like front step plant. If they want to get like upward loft, I mean, I think they need to work more, maybe a little bit more in his hands than his leg because the guy has pure powers. The problem is, is I don't know if he's late on it or he's, you know, he's waiting on pitches. Maybe he's too smart for himself that he's not in front of anything. So he steps in and then he's just bringing the, the bat across the plane down. So that's a pretty dramatic swing change they need to make. But I'd say all this, 
if they do it, I'd be very optimistic about it because this is a offensive-minded player. He would be a great number two hitter. I don't see how he ever hits more than 15 homers, but, I mean, if he got there, 25 homers, probably 100 runs and uh, 300-plus batting average would be great, but he needs to walk a little bit more, and the only problem is he already doesn't walk and he doesn't hit homers, and usually making the turn to hit for more power leads to more strikeouts, and he's also not walking. So I would be cautious about him, but I feel more offensively optimistic than I did like a year ago after seeing him in the AFL. Like I feel better about like Luis Rodriguez and Andres Jimenez were two players that I always struggled with. I think I feel better about Luis Rodriguez now more than like I do um, Andres Jimenez. So he could be, I, I would be into buy like a speculative buy low on uh, Luis Garcia right now if it's cheap. Sam Armstrong says, hey, the Welsh. This is another one that might have gotten cut from the last episode. I So forgive me if I did already answer this, and I'll answer it quicker. He says, a straight-up prospect trade offer during these downtimes. I was offered Ian Anderson for my uh, Alexander Ramirez of the Mets. He's rebuilding but hoping to strike in 2021. He says, I know the safer bet is a hitter over pitcher prospect, but would you pull the trigger? So you can trade um, uh, Alexander Ramirez to get Ian Anderson. I think it's more than a fair deal. I obviously am always hitter over pitcher. Ramirez is relatively far off. There's, I think, a little bit less info and hype um, with also a downturn right now that I think his stock is low. So it's actually a little bit surprising that you get Ian Anderson. I'm not the biggest Ian Anderson guy in the world. But, you know, if he could if he could make a few adjustments, I think he could be Robbie Ray-like. I think that's a possibility, and that's not the worst thing in the world. Ramirez has got a higher ceiling, but... You know, if you're gonna if you are you're saying rebuilding this year, but you're trying to strike in 2021, this is the type of move that you make. I think Ian Anderson needs a, a change of scenery um, for like a bigger opportunity to start, but I'd make this bet. I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, Rich says, how would you compare the 2021 top five first year player picks to the past 2020 top five, which was stacked with Dominguez, Vaughn, Abrams, Adley, and Witt? Well, I think that the top two are on par. So I, I think it's a notch below. Okay, that's the quick answer. Sorry, I had to work through that for a minute. It's, it's below because all of those guys right there, Dominguez, Vaughn, Abrams, Adley, and Witt, those are top 25 prospects really without hesitation, like whatsoever. Like I know there's some people that are a little bit down on Witt. There's some people that want to be more down on Jason Dominguez, but you've got College bats, you've got high-end offense across the board. Abrams just quieted all questions out there. I think that's one of the better top fives that I can recall in like a really, really long time. Now, my current list, I'm pulling it up here for um, the amateur side, Torkelson and Austin Martin, I love. And I'm going to talk about next week. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with. I, I think they immediately jump in. They're going to jump into the top 20, like without question. Like it's easy, easy, easy. Now the next set of guys, there's still there's still some work in progress. Where you have Nick Gonzalez, who you know I got to see him him and Torkelson in person before everything shut down, and Nick Gonzalez is really impressive. Now, for the most part, played at relatively lower competition, but he's got the tools of a top end prospect. But like Nick Gonzalez is not Abrams and not Bobby Witt. You know, like he could be, but I'm not going to rank him near there. So you already got the third prospect or my third-ranked player in the 2021 um, first-year player guys going to be below the top five of last year. So it's already less. 
And then there's a handful of there's a handful of guys that you know deciphering what you really like. You know, Emerson Hancock, uh, Asa Lacy. If you want to go pitching, there's Austin Hendricks, Ed Howard, Zach Veen. Um, there's a couple of those guys. They're just not in the same territory as the the Vaughns and the Wits and the and the Abrams. They're just going to be below. So it's only Torkelson and Martin that compete. So I don't know if you wanted to grade like 2020 as an A plus. I'd say this year is like an A minus, uh, maybe even a B plus or something like that. The top two, it's so top two heavy to me, and then it just changes tiers. Where you know, I'm not saying like Gonzalez and Hancock and you know maybe Hendrick and and Veen and stuff like that. They'll be probably in the top 50 range, not not even probably they they will. But those other guys were in the top 25, so it's nice. It's deep, by the way. The college pitching is deep. There are some. Potentially exciting high school bats to um, potentially bet on, depending where they go. There could be some values. You know, Ed Howard, Zach Veen is moving up, so Ed Howard's a guy that might become a value. People are kind of been out on Pete Crow Armstrong and Blaze Jordan. Those guys have become values. So there's actually a nice mix um, of, you know, 20 or 30 guys, and, and it's going to even go deeper. So I, I like the depth of this draft, but the top end in 2020 is relatively unmatched. David says, how do you expect the delays in this season to impact, oh, that's a good one, Alex Reyes, Brent Honeywell, and Michael Kopech? Stock is down on all of them due to injuries. They all have extra time to recover and hit the ground running. Is now the time to buy each of them? Absolutely. 100%. I think I've been vocal, and if I haven't been vocal enough, I apologize. I'm a buyer on Brent Honeywell right now. That is someone I want to buy. I think his mixture of pitches with the plusness of them and how he could command, I think Brent Honeywell can still be as good in the same range of like a Michael Kopech. Now, the injuries are even more of a problem with Brent Honeywell than Kopech, so that's why you have to be cautious Kopech is a no-brainer to me. If his value is low, I'm buying. So that's, yes, go in and buy. I don't want to pay anything too, too crazy, but he's coming off of Tommy John. Fantastic stuff. He looks so transformed when he hit the major leagues from the minor leagues. It's not even a question. Bryn Honeywell, no-brainer. I have been. I feel like I've been talking about I may have only mentioned it a couple times, but Bryn Honeywell is absolutely someone I want to buy on right now. I think he's the epitome of post-hype sleeper prospect because of a multitude of injuries, but his stuff was absolutely plus. I've heard good things that it was coming back. The only, the, literally, the, the only two things you have to question are, are the injuries behind him, and did he take a knock on his stuff? I feel like the latter is no, so you got to concern yourself with the injuries, but I feel like his cost is really cheap. And Alex Reyes, yeah, I mean, I... I Alex Reyes, I thought at one time, was the number one pitching prospect out there. Uh, injuries have really taken a toll on him, I'm a little bit worried where the stuff is, and you know, he wasn't even getting a real opportunity to make the team. But yes, these are all guys. Like I was selling Reyes like a year and a half ago, right when he's getting injured. People don't want to buy on right before. I'm back to buying now because I think all three of these guys' uh, stock is really low. Though I do think Reyes might benefit from a new destination. I'm not sure where the opportunity is anymore. I think Honeywell will get it, and I think he can be back to being a stud, and Kopech, absolutely a stud. Uh, Steve, Steve Svensson says, favorite swing currently in the minor leagues? He says his is Jared Kelenic. Ooh, that is a good question. That's a fun question that you asked that. Favorite swing. I got to stare at some names here to start thinking who my favorite swing is. 
I think Kellenic is a fun one that you said. Uh, Wander's an easy one. Uh, I I get so focused on the um, the helicopter though when he's doing that. I'll, I'll tell you when I was going back through my deep dive, I still love Alex Kirilov's swing. I don't care what anybody says about Kirilov and how they're downish on him. He's like this. He's he's a bigger body dude, and I think you got to worry a little bit about the body. But you know, I I found some comparisons with him and Matt Chapman. But Kirilov is so explosive still. I really, really love his swing. And I know that's not like a typical one anyone would pick here. Like Drew Waters is really fun. Uh, Julio's, actually, I like Julio's because it doesn't have all the excitement in the world about it. And it's just so impactful. But I'd say Kirilov, Julio, um, Drew Waters is just one I really like to I like to look at. Alec Thomas as well. He's got a lot of loft to his swing. Those are probably a couple of my favorite. George Valera, you know, I love uniquely George Valera's to me. Um, it's got that Robbie Canoness to him. And he says, favorite swing of all time. Yeah, I mean, this is easy, dude. He says Griffey edges out Will Clark. Yeah, I agree with that. Though, if I can give you a different answer, I, to this day, and a lot of people don't know this. I thought I've said this, but Vladimir Guerrero Sr., He's my favorite all-time baseball player. He was my favorite. And I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up around Bonds. I actually like Bonds more than most people. I grew up around McGuire. I, I like McGuire still. You know, those were just where I grew up with. And I was around those. But, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, so it was so unique in how he could get a ball off the ground. You know, I still think of, like, you know, the ball bouncing and him hitting a homer and, you know, off of his, his shoe top. So that to me, and he was actually kind of the epitome of, like, you want to look at a pure uppercut, you know, you want to talk about launch angle type of swing. That was Vladimir Guerrero to me. So the prettiest of all time, like you could just sit and watch like a 20-minute loop of Ken, of swings is Ken Griffey Jr. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know. There's something about Vladimir Guerrero Sr. that I loved. And it was also why he was just my favorite player. All right, last couple here. Brennan Diamond says, could you, well, I can't really do this because it's only me, but could you do a player debate on uh, Jordan Alvarez versus Eloy on who you'd rather own in Dynasty? Well, well, Brendan, yeah, you can actually go to my ranks and you can check out Dynasty and that will kind of tell you if you just want it in a nutshell where I'm at with it. I have those two very, very close. They are both in the 20s. Jordan Alvarez beats out Eloy by a hair. Now, I will tell you, it is met with skepticism for me because I love Eloy Jimenez. I absolutely love Eloy. And they're both the same age. My skepticism is that Alvarez, I mean, Alvarez just, I guess my skepticism, to be honest, first most, first and foremost was like, I was never the biggest, craziest um, Jordan Alvarez in the minor leagues guy. Like, it was clearly Eloy Jimenez over me. I can't ignore what Alvarez has did last year. And, you know, Eloy kind of, um, you know, he's changing a little bit, like from what looked like a no doubt 300, you know, this big power 300 hitter. He hit 267 last year, and that's that's got to be in question a little bit. And strikeouts are up over 25%. And, you know, maybe he's readjusting as just this big middle-of-the-order power hitter that hits 270 or something like that, where I can't ignore if Alvarez is a 300 hitter, you just have to take him over it. And he also was a double-digit walk guy. But my, my skepticism also comes from not just like I wasn't as big on him and I had Eloy over him, is that I want to see Alvarez challenged a bit. Um, I have seen that with Eloy. I actually think Eloy, his arrow can still go up. I think he can continuously be a better hitter. That lineup also, there's a lot of protection in it as well. 
you know, there's some question marks with the Astros you can attach to it, but I also want to see some adversity with uh, with Jordan Alvarez. That's what I'd really like to see. But I do have him a notch ahead. So if this was a matter of I could trade Alvarez to get Eloy plus, okay, I'm absolutely listening because they're within five spots of each other. They're both in the 20s. Alvarez edges him out, though. Um, I, I am interested in doing more player debates. I'd have to get somebody on here, and I know a lot of people have kind of run with that idea that we do, and I maybe we'll put some together. I think that's a really, really great dynasty one. That actually would have been a great, um, in this league baseball, player debate that we could have done, Eloy versus Jordan Alvarez. All right, last one on the docket here, and then we're going to get to uh, Dennis. Will Morse says, is there anything to Edward Oliveris? Seems Skills seem intriguing, but probably needs a trade. Is he worth a flyer in your opinion? Will, absolutely. I mean, this is another one of those, like, have I just not mentioned him lately? Because I, I feel like I did a whole thing, and I, if you followed my ranks, I moved Oliveris up pretty significant from where he was, from you know just kind of this like average, I don't want to call him fringy, but that's it's probably not a, a completely inaccurate word, of kind of this like fringy outfield guy who was blocked, who was putting up okay numbers, to every time I saw him over the last year, he kept doing stuff. He rocketed this homer in spring training this past year um, that really caught my eye. And then he just started putting good swings on two other games that I was at. I got to catch multiple Padres games. And every time I saw him, double, single, homer. This is coming off of um, a 18-homer, 35-stolen base year at double-A. Hit 283 with a 349 OBP. The problem is he's a little bit older. Um, he's I just turned 24, so he's 23 years old last year at Double A, which you know it's it's a little old for the level. And he would have been Triple A this year. I'm very much on Oliveris. If I play in a in a deeper league, I was actually thinking about putting together a list of a couple guys that are like older, need new scenery prospects. And the, because the Padres have two of those for me, Ty France, who's not a prospect anymore, and uh, Edward Oliveris are absolutely those guys. Oliveris kind of reminds me of, um, in a lot of ways, in a lot, a lot of ways, of like an Oscar Mercado and almost kind of the same run that Oscar Mercado has as well. I mean, Mercado got his opportunity at 24 years old. He was a little bit more speed, but he was kind of this combo power speed type of a guy. Oliveris has real power and he's got he's got doubles power that can absolutely leave a stadium and the guy stole 35 bases in double a last year which was the most and it wasn't the most games he played in 2018 he played 129 games stole 21 he upped that this past year in double a by striking out less walking more stole significantly more bases and hit more homers i mean that the, the triples translated by the way his triples in 2018 were 10 he only had two last year, but he upped his homers by eight. He is a, um, I think he could be a 2020 guy. I think he's one of those like like a poor man's type of Starling Marte type of a player. I don't I don't know where the hit tool will ultimately be. He's going to have to hit for contact, but he has raised his at batting average for three straight seasons uh, from 269 to 277 to 283. He's got a nice fluid swing. He's got power in there. He can tap into it. At worst, he might be a 15-25 guy. And if he can be given the opportunity, I, you know, I feel like I feel like he's everything that like people want Teoscar Te Hernandez to be. But I think he's got it if he's given the opportunity. The problem, he doesn't have the opportunity. But if you have the wherewithal or the assets to sit on guys and not be at the expense of a whole bunch of other prospects, so people ask me like, "Oh man, you talked about Oliveris. All right, cool. So should I drop Oliveris for, or should I drop Xavier Edwards for Oliveris? No." Don't do that. Like, no. You know, oh, should I drop uh, Helio Ramos for? No, don't do that. Like, 
you need to be in a situation where he's a post 100. He could be close. He could be fringy top 100. But you have to weigh the risk that's going on. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, the potential, and just buy all in and start getting rid of assets. But go get Oliveras. Buy in on him if you can afford it. Because, yeah, I think there's something in there. Given the opportunity, I think he can be an absolute fantasy dude. So I'm in on it. All right, great questions. This is a little bit of a longer episode now because of what I just did. Didn't realize I was going to go that long with the questions. But thank you guys for sending them in. Continue doing it. I might put some posts up over on Patreon for draft-based questions, but I will keep talking about the list, my, um, like I said, the tool belt and the wire rating and some of that stuff and any movement I make. I'll give a little bit of a portion to an episode to that, but then kind of the crux is going to be interviews and and probably the interviews will be pushed towards talking about the MLB draft. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun. Now, speaking of fun, Dennis Sidler. From SIDS Graphs, we are going to talk about everything I said before. It's going to be kind of the inner workings of this is a company that signs these guys to deals. They deal with agents. They deal with the players. They get memorabilia signed. They follow the trends. He even um, supplies some of the bigger chains worth of stuff, and they've got a site. And uh, Dennis is just a good dude. He reached out. He's listened for a while. Um, What I've done here apparently has helped in some of the stuff, and uh, we're going to do some giveaways as well. So tune in to the end of the episode uh, for what uh, we're going to try to plan to do and get locked in. So here you go, Dennis Siddler. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This guy right here who's going to be joining me has got a very interesting perspective and a very interesting business across the board. I think you guys will be interested in We've been having some communication. He is Dennis Sidler from Sid's Graphs, and you can find him on Twitter at Sid's Graphs. Easy enough. Uh, the titling called Baseball's Top Prospects. So first up, Dennis, what's up, buddy? Not much. How are you doing? We're doing good. I'm going to tell everybody what with the business here, but I find it interesting. Sid's Graphs is the handle, but your title is Baseball's Top Prospects. That's like what you have is like your Twitter quote name. I know you're a big baseball guy, but what was the deviation to say uh, Baseball's Top Prospects over just the company name Sid's Graphs? Well, to be honest with you, most people, we've been in business 20 years and a lot of people in the industry still do not know us. So we were, I just put that in there for mainly search purposes on Twitter. And luckily we also have some of the top prospects as our clients. That is very true. So here's where the conversation is going to go. And uh, Dennis had hit me up. Uh, I, I followed Dennis a, a while back and he had followed me and some of the stuff that I do. And I think obviously some of this probably sparked from my conversation with Matt and me. Because like I said, I've been, I've been poked for many, 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 many months about going more into kind of the either whether it's a trading card industry or some people know I like sports memorabilia. I'm not crazy. I don't go nuts about anything like that. But I definitely have stuff. I like I like cards, and I've done in-person card stuff. I've got a big old collection of. Uh, I'm looking at it right now as I turn my head. I'm looking a big old collection of baseballs I've had over the years, and uh, I've got some mini. Hel- I just like stuff. I'm a collector in general of stuff. And Dennis hit me up, and 
was talking about just kind of the general in-person autograph stuff, but what's so fascinating, so let me get to the crux of what I'm trying to say here, is Dennis's business is Sid's Graphs, and it is a uh, memorabilia website, but more to the next level of fascination is Dennis signs prospects, so gets deals. If you go on to Sid's Graphs on uh, Twitter right now, you'll see that he is uh, has exclusive clients right now. They say Chris Sale, Luis Robert, Joe Adele, Wander Franco, Christian Robinson. They kind of keep going through. So Dennis, I'm setting the stage here. You're a memorabilia house, but you also get exclusive signings. Tell everybody about, first off, what your business is and the products that you hold, and then we're going to get into kind of the really fascinating stuff. So for the most part, we pay the players um, direct. We go through their agents. We go through your list and a couple other of your friends' lists that uh, we determine who to, which players we want, want to go after. And then there's a several, like, decision processes, like, Sometimes the, the the player's nice, but the the city that he plays for is not a popular collecting city. Sometimes the player's nice, but the agent's tough to deal with. So there's a lot of things, and even trying to figure out some of the agents at times is a difficult part. But once we do that, we try to get an exclusive deal. Usually on the younger guys, it's a year and a half to two years. Um, we tend not to fall in love with them in the sense that we know our spot. We tend to get in early, and to be honest with you, Fanatics steals a lot of our guys. Um, oh, okay. But that's okay. We we've uh, we've come to live with that. Like we had Pete Alonso, he's with Fanatics. We had Gavin Lux, he's now with Fanatics. So you get them before. So you're saying like like you you kind of get in before maybe the Fanatics or any of the other sites get in. So it'll be your run, and then after a year, year and a half, you'll see them go to a different place. Yeah, not always, but like Chris Sales always stayed with us. So we've had Sales since 2011. He's still with us, but he's a really unique. We've never, we will never see another player like him. Uh, and when I say we, I'm saying Sid's graphs. He is, he is been, lo- he's a, he's as a loyal person as there is. And he could easily be with fanatics if he wanted to be, but he has stayed with us. But yes, we, we get in early. So we have higher risk, if that makes sense we spend a little less money. Um, Fanatics spends a lot more money and tends to have lower risk. So let's do this real quick. I, I want that is, I think, one of the most fascinating parts about this. And that's why this is a this is going to be like a really interesting conversation because you're doing something unique in this kind of prospect world. It's not this isn't just talking about sports memorabilia. It's actually going deeper in. But for a minute here, what I'd like to do is tell people what they can find on SIDS graphs and what has changed for you recently because you guys have had some changes. So let's talk about the business for a second. Then we're going to get into the inner workings because you have a lot of different products on there. It's very, you're very baseball centric. I know you've got some other sports if people go there. So talk about the products and then talk about what has been the big change as far as what you've seen being moved. So for us, I mean, to be honest with you to Pat, you and some of these other dynasty prospect uh, guys on the back is one major thing that we have changed is for years and years, we followed your basic, I, I don't mean to say this in a negative way, but the, the key flaws, the BAs, the BPs, we followed their top 100 list. And, you know, our first product we ever did was 2003, uh, October, 2003 was Miguel Cabrera. 
Mm. And we've been doing prospects ever since. Um, so we would base it off Keith Law's top 100, and we'd be anxious when his his list would come out. And there's nothing wrong with Keith Law anymore. We still use him in, as guidance, but um, the dynasty guys have really pushed us over the edge. And that started, you know, probably a couple of years ago. You know, some of the exclusives we no longer have are still big names. We had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We had Eloy Jimenez. I mean, we had all these big names, and they they bounced into. You know, uh, Jordan, we had Jordan Alvarez the last four years and Pete Alonzo. And, you know, some of those guys, like Alvarez, I think is a great example. I don't think he was in Keith Law's top 100. Um, I'm pretty positive of that. Uh, he ends up winning the AL Rookie of the Year. So, like, if someone's looking at Law's list and looking at my product, they're like, eh, I don't think I'm going to buy him. And then he ends up winning Rookie of the Year. So it's it's not a perfect science on our end, but um, – since we've been following the dynasty top 100, top 500 guys, um, whatever list they're putting out quantity wise, uh, we have done phenomenal. That's crazy. So the products that you have though, uh, baseballs, you guys do baseballs, bats, helmets, yep. uh, just so, uh, pictures, so I we, think. Yep. So we've pictures are a little bit harder. We use four seam. Um, they're a licensed minor league, uh, photographer. Mike James does great there. So you could buy, your licensed photos, uh, we do majority baseballs and bats, but in the last probably year and a half, two years, all along we have gotten cards signed because cards are mine and my son's favorite. Um, but we we had never done them in quantities to offer them to our customers. The last couple of years we started doing it where we could offer it to our customers and that division of our company has exploded now. Yeah, so and we, that's, that's what we, we were talking all- about. That was so weird is like you, you've you seen this exponential just growth. Maybe, maybe is it fair to say the biggest portion of your sales have been uh, the cards, whether it's Bowman first or it's just other unique cards that you guys get and you guys get them all Beckett certified. So they're certified autographs. Yes, we do a little bit of both. We've learned along the way. We've learned some some of our customers want the car what they call quote unquote raw. Um, so not graded, not slabbed because they still want to put their cards into a binder, you know, so they're working on sets or they're working on player complete runs, however they're doing it. So now we've just in the last few weeks, we've started to do, you know, a Wander Franco raw card and a Wander Franco slab card. So then either, either way we can help out our customer, however they're collecting, but yes, the cards, immensely i'm crazy and it, it becomes a lot of work on our end on my end because i also have to chase down the cards and that that gets harder and harder as well too especially as more popular the player gets then all of a sudden the their cards start costing more than a baseball then you're starting to contemplate what to do yeah i mean it's got to be an interesting thing and the card thing is always so fascinating because you know the the for the reseller out there there's a lot of people that do it as a business and they they buy stuff they hold it for a little bit they sell it they you know it's almost like stocks cards have been they buy something they hope it gets big and then they move on from it there's less of a market for those people in the in person trading card spot but for personal collectors 
you know, there is still a big home for that in-person card. You know, it, it's definitely in the personal market here and getting the big names that you do. I find it fascinating that there's kind of a resurgence of people's interest in, uh, I mean, like I said, you guys have them certified, but people are having interest for their personal collections in getting, you know, these in-person autograph cards, whether it's Wanda Franco or whatever, you know, you have, a, you have a pretty immense list on your website of prospects that people can find. Yes. And, like I said, we're, we're still even like Beckett must have 3000 cards. And because of the shutdown we're everything's delayed, but, um, yes, the cards have been phenomenal. We, we love them. It's, uh, there's many reasons to love them. The, the, the popularity, the, you know, you can, you can, Im, you can inventory and warehouse a thousand cards <laughs> compared to a thousand baseballs, you know, compared to a thousand bats. So yeah. there's a lot of benefits to it you know, that people don't think about for the business as well. So a cool thing, uh, here's, here's, here's one thing and then a tease I'm going to give everybody. Uh, Dennis is going to kind of be sending me like a, it's almost like a mystery box and I'm going to open it up because I have a personal, uh, I'm completely um, selfish to wanting to see some of this cool stuff. And I'm going to do like a break on our YouTube. So if people want to be on the lookout for that in the near future, I'll do kind of a break of uh, a few things that are going to just be mystery to me. And you guys will get to see some of the cool product. I mean, obviously you can go on his website and you can see it, but I'm going to do uh, a little uh, youtube.com slash in this league. I'll break open some cool stuff and because I have, if people don't know, I'm not like a crazy card collector or anything like that, but I have more in-person cards than I do anything else. That is always something I've enjoyed and being around the players, so it fits my wheelhouse perfect. And then at the end of the episode, here's the tease. We are going to be doing uh, some giveaways, Dennis. And there's, you know, there's no like sponsorship or anything. Dennis just wanted to do this, and I want to. I mean, I, I want to in favor return for these giveaways. I want to remind you guys in the month of May. Um, so I guess it's kind of like a sponsorship thing. I want to remind you guys about this company because the resurgence of card collecting and stuff is pretty cool. And Dennis is one of uh, the good guys in the company. He's got some really unique stuff. So he wanted to, uh, he, like, he wanted to do this as a thank you. And then I in turn want to make sure that I'm giving some promotion in May. So at the end of the episode, we uh, will promote at least one of the names. We're going to probably do a giveaway on the Patreon and just for all the listeners. And trust me when I tell you, Dennis has only got good stuff, only got good stuff on there. So you guys are going to dig it. So we'll kind of tease what that's going to start in May. Now, let's talk about the prospects in general, because literally not that all of it isn't interesting to me, Dennis, but like when you were bringing up in our DMs about the idea that, you know, you sign these guys and dealing with their agents, that to me is one of the more fascinating things because you know a lot of people look at these prospects and these guys these guys might not have any cards to by the way they might have um maybe like maybe they've done something with like a panini or you know maybe like an extra elite you know something not affiliated with baseball maybe they've got you know some type of a bowman card out there but you you identify the players, like you said, using now, you know, implementing stuff like me and Eric and James's list, and you figure out who the guys that you want to kind of go after, and then you set up a deal. So I'm not asking you, you don't have to give us every freaking little detail about the money and stuff, because that's probably not appropriate, but like, how does the process work? Like, walk me through the process when you're like, okay, cool. I want to get Christian Robinson signed up. Walk me through the steps of... Like what you do, how you contact, what pushback you might get, and what your interaction with the with the prospects themselves are. Well, my mind is blown right now because the funny part is in my head, as you were 
leading into this, I was, and we haven't spoke about this. I was going to be like, I'm going to bring up Christian Robinson. <laughs> That's either, I mean, you had to know I was, I mean, that is, we were, we're in sync here, but of course, as I'm looking at the list, I could have said Wander or Adele, but you know, I have, I have a soft spot for Christian Robinson, of course. So I was kind of curious. So that's perfect timing. So as we have grown, it gets a little easier. You know, you hear stories that the harder you work, sometimes the easier it gets. But so as you're growing, an agent may not return your call, may not return your email because they don't know who you are. They don't know how you're going to treat their player. They don't know if your check's going to clear, et cetera. So as we've grown, um, to be quite honest with you, Nolan Gorman has the same agency as, and Nolan Gorman was, is our exclusive client as Christian does. And mm. so as it, as you get bigger and they know you're treating your, their players correctly, those, the agencies will send you lists. Hey, are you interested in any of these new guys? So I signed Christian. Um, it has been a while now. We have had him since September of 18, which was really early on. Um, and we have him through spring spring training of next year, which who knows if it gets extended a little bit because of the season this year. But so Christian Robinson, we go back and forth with the price. We go back and forth with how many pieces and the length of the agreement. Um, typically, we're one to two and a half years. It just all depends. Um, usually the agent will determine that. Uh, the amount of pieces is what usually tries to get protected in the sense that they have to do enough to make it worth the agent and the player's time. But yet being early on, you don't want to get too much product into the industry at a lower price, if that makes sense. So all that, it's almost like an equation. Um, there's a lot of agents good at it. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of agents that are not very good at it. And a lot of times the agents that are not very good at it sort of avoid it. And it kind of, ends up hurting the player because so what does that you look know, like you know, what, what what is a player what what is them not being good at it is it like let's I, i'm i'm literally going to just throw out arbitrary numbers here for a second so don't quote i know nothing but like let's say and it's probably bigger numbers but let's say it's like you're like all right it's five thousand dollars and then that's a deal is it everybody is it them and you trying to get the equation of what each piece is worth because i'm fascinated to know like what the money spent looks like how how much and how do you determine the amount of things and how many times do they do signings so typically i'm not going to name names so i'm yeah, just going to throw sure. in general typically with a minor leaguer the signings are 200 to 250 Pieces. now ironically enough in the yes correct okay. But in, ironically enough, in the last year or so, maybe 18 months, I have also tacked on and re, and requested a card price. So there there have been times in the last year that we'll do 250 what I call memorabilia pieces. So bats, helmets, baseballs, photos. And then at the end of the signing, we'll do a card signing. So we may do 250 of the memorabilia items and then 250 additional cards now. Um, it's just an easy way. Cards can be signed at a rapid pace. Um, it's an easy way to, to get more money into the player's pocket with not ne without necessarily putting mem more memorabilia onto the street. So that, that's been one thing to help both players. But, and when I say they're poor at it, they don't, re they don't respond to an email. I can't tell you how many minor leaguers that are making in the big picture, no money, their agents have never replied to my email when I'm offering, you know, the minimum deal for one year is going to be 
as much or more than they're making the entire five months wow. of the baseball season. And if you only do two signings, they, they meet with you twice for 45 minutes and they would double their income. Wow. You know, so that's okay. I mean, that's, that's wild. So then walk me through what, like, you don't have to name a name specifically because the Christian Robinson one, that's an easy, by the way, uh, staying on him for a minute. So then the process, you cut your deal. Cause I don't want to jump ahead here. You cut your deal with a guy and then you set up, you know, if it's 250, do you do it all in one setting? And then you get in the room and are you, you chatting up the guy and just, you know, taking pictures and doing stuff like that? Like how does the signing work? And is it based on one or is it the multi-year like we'll do, you know, a third over three sessions over a year and a half? Yep. So we, we divide it into, you know, if it's a 750 piece deal, we'll do three 250 piece uh, signings. So Christian, our warehouse is about a 40 minute drive to Kane County. So when Christian made it to Kane County at the end of last year, we did a signing at a, at the visiting team hotel. Christian walks in, everything's set up. He sits down, he signs the 250 pieces, usually 25 to 35 minutes later, he walks out with a check. It's not bad. That's it's not pretty bad. simple. Yeah. Do, do you ever, co- have Correct. you ever seen guys get coached up on their autograph at all, by the way? Cause Christian's changed from when he first started, which was a, I, it was a scribble when he was in camp to what he did this last year. So have you ever talked up guys on their autograph? Typically? No, just because to be quite honest with you, I'm not for a lot of the players that we deal with, I'm not bilingual, so they wouldn't like communicating with them wouldn't make sense. Anyway, a lot of that comes from their agents where, um, more and more with the got not so much the collectors, but the companies that chase the players and are trying to get their autographs for their own gain and re on reselling it. More agents will tell a player ha- have a, what they call a quote unquote free autograph and a pay for autograph. Now I will tell you in the long run at times that has hurt me because the agent will tell them that the agent will not be at our signing. And then as our signings being taken place, we're getting the free autograph, <laughs> you know, because the player gets used to the signing, the much quicker signature. Yeah. Which sometimes so, can be like, uh, Take a, I mean, there's a multitude of players that do this, but you can take a player who has their stand, like Wander Franco, I've seen, has a standard autograph across, but then sometimes they'll do it like long ways up and it's bigger and it's almost over their face and stuff like that. Is that the type of stuff you're talking about where it's more scribbly up no, instead I, of like cleaner? That part, I, that part I have not heard. I've just heard, I'll, I'll give you an, a, a prime example. Um, he was in the fall league last year. He's our, a newer client, Spencer Howard. Okay. To be quite honest with you, I had to ask his agent, is this the signature we're going to get? And he's like, no, he'll have a pay for signature because his his quote unquote free signature. I couldn't sell. <laughs> um, so as we've as we've lived and learned, um, what we try to do is at the bottom of the contract. The signature that they sign on the contract is the signature we could expect on our items, because oh, then at least right there at the beginning we can we can confront you know either confront this or hopefully you know at least go back to it if we had to so that's what we've had to do and there's so many companies that compete against us that don't pay the players that think we have control over the what the players do and if if you really think about it I'm with the player two times a year 
maybe three times a year for 25 minutes. If we had that much power over what a player did in those 25 minutes, why they're signing 250 pieces, that that would be a something. Yeah. What? Uh, so what I was going to say before was, Give me not the not Christian Robinson one because Christian is a little bit of a better was a better example because you you know he, same agents as Nolan Gorman which the agents mm-hmm. are always super interesting to me I would anything you want to add about your interaction with agents I'd love to hear but like what was one that was tougher whether it was the guy was wow. tougher their the, agents the toughest, were a pain the the toughest player we've ever had to do is Wander Franco really it's, okay it's tell not me even close well no what one you knew his tell. agent. No, nobody, no one, I, I worked and, and that's the thing is there's so many, like a lot of people would be like, Oh, what you do is so easy. And, it, and, you know, from a distance, it may look easy, but you know, even finding the agents, you know, every once in a while we'll get maybe once every other month, we'll get an email from someone saying, Hey, can you tell me so-and-so's agent? We want to do a signing with them. And I'm just thinking to myself, that took me about 16 hours of internet work to try to find his agent. Um, but Wander, I had given up on trying to find his agent and then find, to be honest with you, a marketing person from another agency was the person that found, found the agent. Really? And then what was the, and helped me get the deal done. Okay. So was the the process was easier once you found the agent? It wasn't too bad once we found the agent, but finding the agent was as hard as any player we've done in since Cabrera. I mean, it, it. It was as tough as anybody. Now, have there ever been, again, you don't have to name names, but have you ever had like a really bad uh, agent uh, dealing or even a player that had agreed upon this and coming in? Again, you don't have to name them if you don't want to, of course, but have there ever been any just kind of like, like I said, teeth pulling or agents or weird, like you said, as you're building and people are trying to, you know, understand the legitimacy? Has there ever been a, because I've been around big time agents where, it, you know, they act very big time, their players act very big time. A lot of these players that you have, I've actually been around and there's a lot of good guys on there. I'm just curious if there been any big headed agents or even big headed players in the process. Yes. Yes. And I'll be honest with you to defend the play. I'm always a player defender. Sure. Always. I, I, you know, they're the talent typically from what I see the attitude or the difficulty comes from the agent. You know, typically it's not like me looking at the agent going, what are we dealing with here? It's usually, I'm like, these guys are enabling them. You know, usually if you have an issue, I blame the agent because they're the ones that should be able to coach, control, whatever the word you want to use, their player to get through a 40 minute business meeting in essence. Yeah. Um, but yes, and there's in fact, as I've gotten, gotten older, if I don't like working with you, I don't work with you anymore, regardless of whoever your players are. So there's, there's a couple big agencies out there that I'm not doing it anymore. It's just, they make, they make the process so difficult, um, that it just isn't worth it anymore. That's interesting. Okay. And that being said, there's very, there's very few of them. And, and conversely there, you know, jet sports who has Chris sale and Zach Wheeler and, uh, Gavin Lux. And I can go on and on the best in the industry to, to, to deal with, um, Apex, who used to be Sosnick, Cobb, and Heron, great to deal with. The best; those two companies are the best out there. The, not even close. 
player wise, um, you, you mentioned Chris Sale, you know, unique relationship that you obviously love. Uh, a couple other guys, are there any other guys that have just been amazing to work with? Maybe they're excited about it. Cause I'm always interested in, you know, what, what's the player's process. I mean, you're saying that, that for some of these guys, you can potentially double their salary and for the amount of work, it's very little when they may have not cut massive, massive deals. Like not everybody could be, you know, guys like Joe Adele, you know, as they've gotten a little bit further on, they can start cutting like bigger, actually advertising deals with different companies and stuff. But this is, you're probably getting these guys before they've done anything. And it, it seems it's pretty nonchalant as you're signing these prospects. It's, it's a cup. It's maybe two hours combined over maybe a year. They're getting stuff in their, uh, they're getting stuff in their bank account. Have there been a couple guys that you can think were just amazing to work with great personalities, had fun during the signings any that you could say well the two that popped out first ozzy albies and Raphael dever oh really okay when, tell me when we were done with the signings i hand them the check they look at the check and they give they both gave me and this is separate signings not at the same signing they both give me bear hugs oh that's awesome like just because of how much the money at that time in their life how much that meant to them so those two jump out and there's so many, uh, some of the greatest guys I've dealt with. Pete Alonzo, my goodness. Yeah, he is like, amazing. You knew he was he amazing. Yeah. Um, and he really cared, too, because I, I, just real quick to throw in, I, it's funny that we're bringing this up. I, I was just on a podcast the other day talking about Pete Alonso and how great he was. You know, I had a, a lot of experience around him and when he was out here in the AFL. And there's this vivid memory of uh, I was with a couple people and we were all kind of hanging. This was just more like, you know, just as hanging in the stands and Pete was coming by and someone was getting this photo autographed by him and we were all just standing there talking with him and pete was just like he's like i don't know if this pen's gonna work and he was like you got another one he was trying different pens and then he signed it and he's like ah it looks kind of he's like i don't know like he like he wanted to stay and he wanted to get it right he was just having fun with people that is one of the most fun loving dudes i've ever been around Uh, i I couldn't agree more i mean he he's with fanatics now and we kind of knew that was gonna sort of happen but we we went down fighting with him we he if there was a guy other than sale that we've fallen in love with that we falling in love with players for us cost us money um <laughs> and that, that that's my saying and he would be he would be he would be one of them but he same thing when he would sign for us he would sign and after one he would he would we even kept some of the papers but him and nico horner would request to sign their signature on a sheet of paper before they started signing our items just so that they could get the the, the right signature down. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, you know, that brings me to like, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to stop you yet. Are there any other guys? Cause I like, I like hearing that. That's fun. That that's a lot of fun that those guys are having and, and them taking it seriously. Are there any other guys that jump out of just like great experiences or personality? Well, I could tell you a couple that I'm one of the guys I'm most impressed with as a person is Julio Rodriguez. Oh yeah, man. Uh, you know, just the amount of, uh, uh, like how he could speak English so well already and how he conducts himself. Like he, there's just certain guys that it's hard to explain, but when you're around this enough and I'm sure you see it, there's just certain guys that have it. He's a superstar, man. He, he's a, he was a superstar through and through. Right. And when you, you know, certain guys, when they come out of the dugout, if you didn't know them, if the, there was no names on the back, no numbers, you're like, that's a dude. Like he, he's yeah. it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to gamble on him, but he is, he was fantastic to us. Our, our deal has ended with him, but we may still try to 
extend our deal. It just ended at spring training. I, I agree with that. Now, uh, just real quick, have, have you had any other requests, any goofy requests with players? You just said that's a cool one with Alonzo and Horner about autographs. Have, have there ever been any weird requests of like things guys didn't want or wanted or how they wanted to do something or wouldn't sign a specific thing? Um, no, it's, you know, it's the funny part is all my friends that are baseball fans, but aren't in the industry. You know, their question to me all, all the time is, who's the worst guy you've ever dealt with? Mm. Like, they want to know the bad part. Yeah, that, and that's true. there's so few. Like, all these guys are just good guys. I mean, for the most part, at least when they're with me, they're good guys. We treat them well. They treat us well. Um, another guy that I, I would be wrong not to mention, but Joe Adele is, like, Joe Adele I hope if uh, any of his people hear this, they don't. This doesn't come out wrong. But he is like so nice that being from Chicago, at times you you almost wonder if it was real. <laughs> but he but he hasn't changed. Like he's just he's just another guy that has that superstar or or around him. I mean, and Gavin Lux too, same way. He another great guy. But I don't really have, no, no no one's really given me any issues about not signing a certain thing, but we tend to sign the, the basic items. I guess the only thing every once in a while, the new fad with some of the younger collectors or newer collectors is they want a full name signature. Mm. And at times that blows some of the guy's minds. Yeah, I actually, I, you know, it's funny you say that because Marco Luciano, he does this very unique signature of an M with a cross over it. And I remember, I'm trying to remember who I was, I, I was talking with a Diamondbacks prospect. I don't remember who it was, to be honest with you. It could have been Corbin Carroll or Glenn Allen Hill. And it was a day, it was over in the um, Dodgers, the, the, the Camelback Ranch, and the Diamondbacks were there, the Giants were there, Dodgers and White Sox, and Luciano was right there. And I remember seeing him come out, and there were some people waiting for him. And I remember somebody asking him, can you sign your full name instead of the M signature? And he just kind of looked at them, kind of like you're saying, like almost baffled, like why? It, it, was, it was interesting. Yes. And and that 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 is a new fad, and... Some guys get it like Joe, uh, Joe Adele. Oh my goodness, his full signature because you get the you get Jordan Scott Adele, that comes out fantastic. But then other guys are just like I, I've never signed my middle name. <laughs> like I've, I don't know how you want me to do this. That's very, it's really so. interesting. Um, what is fascinating about what we're talking about here as well is we're talking about the in-person autograph industry, which is not appealing to a lot of people. Um, and I get it. You know, my, my buddy, uh, partner in this league, Bogman, he's not really super uh, into any of it. And, you know, you, you do run the risk sometimes of guys being weird. And it's just, it's a weird process. And also there's a lot of weird people in the process and uh, very unique personalities that are in that. And it can be seen negatively or positively. But one thing, you know, with what's happened around the world and, and kind of ending ending the overall baseball scope right now is there is the possibility of even the in-person autograph being something, I don't know if it's something of the past forever, but it's definitely going to be something of the past for a while. And it's something that, you know, is, is a part of your industry. Yours is different because you're, you know, you're doing these contained signings, but what's ironic, Dennis, and I know you probably thought about this is, you know, over the next year and a half, you might be you and and then obviously the bigger guys in fanatics and not counting the card card companies might be one of the few outlets that have in person autographs for the foreseeable future. Yes, I I think to to actually twist it 
to the industry to my industry is public signings. You know, as a younger guy, you know, in in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, you're not going to have anyone come out for a public signing for you know Christian yet, just because you'd have to be a hardcore fan. Plus, they're like, oh, we'll just get them at the park. But like these major league guys, you know, the Joe Adels that could be in the major leagues. The you know we have Luis Robert. Um, who could be in the major leagues like this year, we're going to miss out on all their public signings. And well, and you guys, and, and you're in Chicago and I know Chicago has some of the absolute biggest signings, I think in the country. Correct. Luis Roberts first public signing will be mayhem. But now when is that, you know, yeah. it, originally it was going to be April 8th, <laughs> but now it may be, who knows? It could be April 8th of 2022. I don't, you know, who knows, but that that's where, it, 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 it will, you know, in all these large shows, all these big um, shows in, in Chicago and the national, you know, the national being in New Jersey, there's no way that that's going to take place. It, that's the hardest, one of the hardest hit areas in the, in the country with the virus. So yes, I, I think the public signings are at a minimum postponed until 2021. The private signings I think will go on, but even, you know, if you're a an agent of a player making ten million dollars. Are you going to put him at risk for twenty five thousand dollars signing, thirty fifty, even if it's fifty thousand dollars signing? I'm not sure. Yeah, I but mean that's 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 maybe in the, the well. To your point, that might be more of an effect on um, a place like Fanatics. Maybe not you because you actually are still in a very unique situation. Maybe this is where you're going. I didn't mean to cut you off with it, but you know you are you are getting to these guys and you are cutting deals with these guys in a very vulnerable time in their career where they don't have any deal. You could be the first time that they're getting a deal. And frankly, there's a lot of guys right now. These guys are just hoping to keep continue their paychecks. They're hoping teams are going to continue with their paychecks and there's going to be a shortened season and they're very likely going to make less money. They're actually, there could be more of it. I don't know if you've even gotten emails about it, Dennis, but there could be more of a demand that players might want to cut deals right now so they can make some money. Well, I would think so. And I, to, to relate it to football, I know we're speaking baseball, but like tonight, I've had several emails today and yesterday, like with the NFL draft starting. I would love to know where the money is going to be at for those guys. You know, the, the industry right now, and I, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, prior to doing the podcast about the industry right now is very strong. A lot of companies are, are very low on inventory, but flush with cash just because they've sold a lot of inventory in the last month. And with the football draft being today, doing deals with them, you do a, a, a one-year deal with Cole Komet of Notre Dame. There's going to be no public signings in that contract. So does the price go down? Does the, you know, I, I have no idea. So hmm. it, it, it's going to be even with the MLB draft, you know, last year's MLB draft, we have CJ Abrams, Cody Hosey, um, uh, Riley, Riley Green, several. I think is My, another yeah. one. Riley Green's right, another yeah, one right, for you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Riley Green. Um, we're working on a couple others and it, I almost think that for my deals, I wish they would have been in this year's draft. I think this year's draft is going to have a, a better time of it because you're this much into the virus already. Like I'm worried about my deals with those guys just because first of all, if I can't see them to do the deals, will they get extended? Um, mm. If they don't get extended, I have to compound my signings and we have to get them done by, by the, by the due date. And well, is that still possible? So it's a, so craziness, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. And then going back to the in-person, I think any time, and I think the people that do chase the players for autographs will, 
will agree with me. Anytime the teams can come up with any idea to keep the autograph chasers away from the players, they will. So I can only imagine this virus, like next year's spring training, my 12-year-old son, I, I don't picture him getting an autograph. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I just... I just don't see it unless there's a vaccine by then, and it sure doesn't sound like it. It's it's a really interesting way, and it it's I think it's twofold. Uh, you know, part of the industry, people just dying for anything with baseball, and people have turned to card collecting. And you can obviously get certified autographs in um in the boxes and stuff, but that has not got cheaper. That's gotten more expensive to the day. It gets more expensive. You'll see a box one price one day, and two weeks later, it could be double. That has actually happened with a Topps Inception is a product that is literally doubled in price across the board. So then it becomes a little, you know, that becomes a little bit dicey. And, you know, the a lot of that, maybe that opportunity for people is taken away, but there's still stuff out there. You, interesting, you're talking about inventory. You're an inventory-based company, you know, so you might even sit on some of these guys for a while so that you actually have a little bit more in common with maybe even dynasty owners because you might take your opportunity or even card guys, you buy in on a guy, you get stuff done, and you know you may have to sit for a while until things get better things get popular you took a chance on christian robinson in 18 and it's probably paid off into late last year into beginning of this year as the the hype train has jumped in so and and another interesting thing people might not know if you want to talk about you know your footstep in the industry is you were also a supplier to many bigger companies you don't have to go into all of it dennis or whatever you want but you do supply some major companies that people might be familiar with with different types of products Yes, it's it's funny at times. You know, we sort of stay in the background. You know, we're not out there. Many people have said, "Oh, you should do your own mystery mystery boxes." And I just don't want to I'm the type that we don't want to disappoint anyone. I would rather have you buy a Joe Adele from me than buy a mystery box that gets you a player that you have no interest in. Yeah. I just don't want to do that. And I think having a 12-year-old son that loves this industry, that loves baseball, I would hate to see another father-son relationship buy something from my company and be disappointed. I'm just not going to do it, regardless of the the money that we could gain from it. Um, but we, that being said, it is for a lot of people. But like to me, it it's for the there's a, in my opinion, there's a lot of gambling mentality in this industry, and I, and I the reason why I say it is I sort of do it with the prospects I do. You know, there there when I signed Christian Robinson what, 15, 16 months ago, there was no guarantee which way he would go. You know, you, you, you took an educated guess, but you had no, you had no positive that it would turn out in PS. We still don't know, you know, he's played a handful of low a ball. Um, so there is a lot of gambling on my part, but it's educated gambling. Um, but yes, we do supply a lot of the mystery packs and that is a very popular part of the industry right now. Yeah. Um, we, there's at least four large companies in the country. Most of the large mystery pack guys that are doing it on a national basis, we, we supply, we, no one just know. No and one this is like, realizes. It. Uh, yeah, and like baseballs. Like you know, you were telling me off air. You had you know just sent a whole bunch of baseballs to a company that might be a part of you know their mystery packs or whatever it is that they do. So uh, and not only a part of it, ninety percent of it. And yeah. to put it in perspective, in twenty we last week was our twentieth year in business. Wow. Last September was our first time we ever sent a pallet of goods to someone. Since then, we have sent a pallet of goods eight separate times, all the way up to six pallets. And when you're thinking six pallets of baseballs, 
bats, photos. That that is a lot of product. That is a lot of product. So, yeah, you guys are you guys are kind of blowing yeah. up right now. Right. So in 19 and a half years, we never sold a pallet. Now we've probably sold around 20 pallets since last August, September. So that just tells you how many of these mystery box companies we're supplying. And and I don't see it going away through the America being shut down in essence. And I don't even when it opens, I'm not sure how much a player is going to want to jump into a meeting room with stranger signing products. So I think we'll be able to keep supplying them. It's uh, it's, it's very, the, the whole thing is fascinating to me from, you know, you, 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 people go on the website, they go to sidsgrass.com and you know, they'll see stuff. They'll see lots of stuff, but the, the story behind it, that you are literally out signing players, going through agents, tracking them down, signing these players for exclusive deals. These might end up on your site. You might end up, they might, be on some people's favorite sites or either some of the breakers that might have some stuff. And, you know, one of the big things you've also seen, you were telling me you saw a big blow up is like people wanting Bowman's first because like almost, I don't want to say every single one cause I don't know, but you know, you've got a, a good litany of prospects that are on there and you've probably closely got a Bowman first of maybe any of those guys. And we're talking, you know, Adele Franco uh, list goes on and that's been a big blow up you've seen in people purchasing. Oh yes. Well, and the reason why I learned both sides of it is I have to buy the product. So the number one guy I've seen is Luis Roberts' first Bowman uh, Chrome card from 2018 Prospects. It Six or seven months ago, we were buying 5 to $8. Then it went 8 to $12. Last night, we were outbid at $26. <sighs> so per, per card. He, he – a single card. A Jeez. single no, – no, and we're buying it to get signed in essence. Um, but there's so many guys blowing up right now. Even guys that we want to like Corbin Carroll is a guy that I would love to work with. Yeah. He's haven't been able to work a deal out with, but even his cards for not playing a game in low a ball are already getting higher and higher every week. And it's something I know because I'm the one in the company that buys the, buys the product. So I'm the one every night on, on the different outlets looking at the prices and you just see them higher and higher and higher. So it, it is definitely a, a crazy, the popularity of the Bowman first card right now is just insane. Joe yeah. Wanders are, are through the roof now too. Yeah. Um, and with slabbing them, I, I go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. We're a little bit delayed. I, I didn't keep, uh, just finish up with what you're saying. Sorry. I was just going to say with slabbing them, I, I still think the next, uh, best mystery product out there that isn't out there right now is going to be the mystery Bowman first product, which someone's going to come up with. It's not going to be me, but someone's going to come up with it and it's going to need our product. Yeah. That's uh, interesting stuff. Um, exclusive clients who, uh, who do you currently have under your belt right now? We have Joe Adele, Wander Franco, Luis Robert, Riley Green, Cody Hosey, CJ Abrams, Christian Robinson, Spencer Howard, uh, Brandon Marsh. Uh, let's see. Did I hit most of them? I think that's a, a majority. Uh, Chris Sale, obviously. Um, I think that might be it for right now. And then you said you've got like like 3,000 different things that are out at like uh, you had submitted to Beckett, but it's just in the holding pattern right now. So they'll even in the near future, there'll even be more product on the website. Oh, yeah. And 
And since the shutdown, we've added 2,000 items to eBay. Well, there's some cool stuff on there if people want to check it out. I, I, I saw your mini helmets. I For some reason, I love mini helmets. And I, I saw like a Julio and a Wander Franco. And I was like, oh, man, those are beautiful. And there's a bunch of other cool products are out there. And so much so, like I said at the beginning here, uh, Dennis is a good dude. And he wanted to give back. Um, you know, He's listened to James and myself and Eric Cross. And we've obviously helped in that. And he just likes the game. And he wanted to give some stuff to... Uh, potentially do some giveaways for listeners. So the things you can be on the lookout for, even though he doesn't do mystery boxes, we're going to do kind of like a little mystery thing that he wanted to send me some stuff, and I'm going to do a YouTube break on it so you guys can see some of the cool stuff in person, and I'll even just talk about the prospects. But we're also going to do, starting in May, we're going to have a giveaway. We're going to have one on the Patreon, at least one for the listeners, and we're going to figure out you know what those names are. But we have agreed that... One of the giveaways, 100%, is going to be uh, a Wander Franco Bowman first autograph card. And that is that is all on Dennis. He's like, well, we got to do a Wander one, right? And I'm like, oh, if you want to, man, absolutely. People will love that stuff. So that's pretty cool, Dennis. Yes, we will get that out. We're going to – it'll be a mixture of uh, Wander – I mean, we can't say these names and then not give some of them away. So there'll be a Luis Robert Bowman card of some sort. There'll be a Gavin Lux Julio Rodriguez for sure, Taylor Trammell. I mean, we have we have all sorts of guys that we'll put in that little mix for you. That's cool. So we'll yeah, we'll so we'll have. A, I'll do my break one. I'll see what we get in there, and then we'll have a giveaway for uh, listeners. So just tune into the next episode. Uh, that'll be the beginning of May, and I'll tell you about all those giveaways. Well, Dennis, it's super interesting stuff. Uh, at least in 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 my my spectrum, you know, I know not everybody is into autograph stuff, but you know, it might be cool kind of hearing the stories of how these guys sign deals. Uh, very interesting. It can be their first kind of double up of money, and uh, hearing some of the cool stories, the bear hug of Devers and. Albies was a uh, pretty pretty solid stuff so check them out sids graphs on twitter that is the website you can check out cool stuff and hopefully people come uh, keep checking out your stuff man well i really appreciate it i just want to take the time really quick to thank you and uh eric and um all the guys uh that you've brought on because all the information that you do mr anderson uh it just helps me and i appreciate it and there's not in a weird way there's not many people that are listening to you that are investing a lot of money into them in essence, um, other than I know the dynasty uh, leagues and that, but I truly appreciate the work you guys do because it has truly helped me and turned my list around of names because my names are our exclusive list is as good as anybody's. That's pretty awesome stuff. All right, Sid's Graphs, Dennis Sidler. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. Dennis Sidler, Sid's Graphs. I think that's cool stuff. I know, like I said, it's not for everybody, but I think the stories are really interesting as well. And you can hear, you can even hear Dennis and like some of the competition of dealing with like the bigger dogs and fanatics. And, you know, there's push with agents. And, you know, we talked offline about a lot of other different things. Uh, some inner workings of stuff, and it, it's it's uh, it's all fascinating to me. I'm as you can tell when I talk with prospects and I tell you guys about stories of the backfields. I'm just interested in the other things that go on. It intrigues me in the players' lives of you know working at a rookie level and being around no adoration, and then being in the AFL and signing deals like this. And um, you know he's hearing Ozzy Albie's giving him a hug, his first real check after whatever he signed and whatever that goes to agents and stuff. That's kind of cool. That's kind of a big deal, and uh, there's going to be some really cool giveaways. We we actually talked. We are going to officially do a giveaway each week on this show 
for listeners. So it's not going to just be Patreon. We're going to have one special giveaway on Patreon, so be on the lookout for that. But we're also going to do one each week, and I'll tell you how. It'll be starting next week. We're going to have a different, uh, really cool autographed, in-person, certified, Beckett certified card, and we'll tell you how you can do all that starting next week. So go check them out. Go support the good dude, Sid's Graphs on Twitter or the website and check out all the cool inventory and uh, let me know if you dug the episode, if you like the content. All right, a little bit longer. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Draft next week. I'll be up uh, draft for the Diamondbacks over on Prospects Live on Friday night. We'll also have a brand new episode focusing on the draft and all the other musings of the prospect world. You can find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. Go to InThisLeague.com to check out the Patreon. Brendos, you have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you guys again later. Peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.